For those of you that do not know, do not know me very well, other than just the straight up podcast host or radio host, if you listen to other things from Sheridan Media, um, for those of you that don't know me very well, I'm a big nap guy, big nap guy, especially on weekends. If I, I usually like Saturdays, Saturdays are almost a guaranteed nap day for me. Like I'm going to have what, at least one nap during Saturday. Well, only one nap, two naps is kind of egregious, but I'm going to, I mean, one nap for sure on Saturdays, uh, maybe even Sunday, maybe a little bit on Sunday, but who knows? I mean, it kind of just depends on how you're feeling. You know, naps are kind of weird that way. I'm not a weekday nap person like ever. Um, it's just a pen, you know, but some of those days, some of those weekdays can, they just kind of hit a little hard. You know, you get home, you're like, oh, that bed's looking real nice. That bed or couch is looking real nice right about now. Uh, but the, the, the dangerous game that you'll play with naps, especially weekday naps, like Sundays through Thursday, essentially, if you have a normal, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, um, is the dangerous game that you'll play is if you take a nap during one of those weekdays, the afternoon, the afternoon of those weekdays, you have a tough time, at least I, for me anyways, have a tough time falling asleep for your actual like good night sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Like nighttime sleep. So there are some products out there. This is not an ad, by the way. I, I just realized that this is kind of starting to sound like an ad. This is not an ad. Um, there are products out there that you can have like melatonin or whatever that help you go to sleep at night, um, which are great at times. Um, but I took one yesterday that was unlike anything I've ever taken in my entire life. It was Zequil, which is not habit forming according to the bottle anyways. Um, and I don't think it's melatonin. I think it's a different type of sleep aid or whatever, but I tell, let me tell you, um, I didn't feel all that tired, tired when I was actually going to sleep. But once my bed hit that, where my bed hit that pillow, when my head hit that pillow. Oh my God, I was out. I've never slept in a way that I slept that last night after taking just like a little, like a thimble of, of Z-Quil. like that. It was not that much. It was half of like one of those bigger medicine cups that you normally have. And I took a little bit of it, man. And I was out. I, I could not believe that I slept. I slept all the way from, I think I went to bed at 11. Like I, I actually fell asleep at about 11. And then I woke up my first alarm at 6am. I was like, there's no way I just slept all the way through that. Not no way. Cause that's usually not, I'm a pretty restless sleeper. I don't sleep normally just all the way through ever. Like I usually get up, not like get up, but like wake up at 2 a.m. or something, realize it's 2 a.m. I have, I think this is something that happens for normal people as well. Hopefully it's something that happens to normal people. I always do this thing where I think it's just kind of subconsciously at this point. I will wake up because I use my alarm clock on my phone as my alarm. So I don't have like a, a bedside table alarm or anything like that. And I'll usually fall asleep while looking at something on my phone because I'm of the Gen Z generation and that's how we all work, unfortunately. Um, and I'll usually wake up after, you know, falling asleep, scrolling through my phone or watching something on my phone. And then I'll wake up at like two 30 in the morning and try to figure out where my phone is before I can go back to sleep. Cause I have to have it somewhere near me in order for me to hear my alarm. So I'll wake up, try to find where my phone is. And then I'll like usually stick it like right under underneath my pillow or something like that I'm sleeping on. So it doesn't like fall off the table, my bedside table table or anything like that. Um, and when I was sleeping last night was equal. It never happened. I was just like, I, I was out. I was out. Didn't wake up once the, thankfully my phone was under my, my pillow as normal. Um, but I was just, I, I just, I, I my head hit the pillow. 
And then it was 6 a.m. the next morning. It was unbelievable. I'd, I've never fallen asleep like that in my entire life. And then I woke up kind of groggy, which made me a little bit upset. Uh, it felt like the, the, the sleep aid hadn't entirely worn off yet. And there is maybe not a worse thing to wake up to in the morning than realizing you're still like groggy from the previous night because you took a sleep aid. Like that's a bad feeling. Cause you're like, Ugh, I don't want to, cause then if you get in the shower too, if you're a morning shower person, if you shower in the morning and that warm water is hitting your body and you're just like, Oh, I could fall asleep again right now. I could fall asleep in this tub, which by the way, not, hopefully this isn't TMI done that before I've, I've slept in the tub. I think that's normal. There's plenty of people that have probably done that. I'm going to say so. I people. I know people that have fallen asleep standing up in, in their shower and just like leaned on the wall or something. Mornings are tough, man. And, you know, I don't have the hardest morning of most people, but I'm just not generally a morning person. So when the Z-Quil is still kind of coming, I, I, I'm still coming off of the Z-Quil from the previous night. And then the water's hitting my back in the shower. Oh, man, <sighs> that the sleeping on the wall had never sounded better than this morning when I was like, oh. I'm just, you know, like your eyes are half closed, glazed over and the water's just hitting you. You're just like, I'm, I'm doing a reenactment on an audio podcast of me, like half falling asleep. That's, that's good radio there by James. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's my intro talking about Z-Quil cause it was wild. I have never slept like that before. Um, I'm not going to tell you to try it or anything like that, but I was just like, whoa, cause there's like some of those sleep aids work well for other people and some, and not so well for other people. You know, it's kind of a 50, 50 type of thing. Um, and Zequil seemingly like worked too good. I was like, uh, huh? I, I, I swear I woke up and I was like, how long have I been asleep? And then my alarm was going off, which was wild. I'd never experienced that in my entire life. Um, anyways, Zequil and knocking me out pretty good. Now really, I took a right hook from the old Zequil and I was out. Uh, and then I woke up groggy, which made me not entirely too happy, but you know, whatever we fight through it. We fight through it. I got myself an energy drink and it was like, I was, I was a million bucks a couple minutes later. Uh, well, Hey, welcome to the show. This is the weekend sports rep podcast. I like to intro things with a little different, you know, it's Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to all. I'm very thankful for you, my dear listener, uh, for tuning into this beautiful podcast that we do once a week posted every Tuesday. You can listen to it on any of the popular podcasting platforms you so desire. Uh, if you would not mind my dear listener as well, leaving a rating on any of those platforms, five stars, if you would not mind either, uh, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, and, um, we're going to keep doing this. We're gonna keep chugging along week after week, same time every week, Tuesdays. Sometimes we'll push back to Wednesdays if we're getting a little too busy here, but for the most part, it's Tuesday afternoons and, uh, yeah, greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, let's start talking some sport arenas. I do like to do those intros a little differently just because I like, you know, I want to have a little conversation. I want it to all be sports. You know, sometimes we talk about some movies. Sometimes we talk about some sports. Sometimes we talk, I don't know, just random stuff, whatever comes up, whatever pops in the old noggin, especially during the intros. It's a good way to just kind of slide in, you know, get the, get the ball rolling. Um, all right, let's talk some, let's talk some sports. Uh, let's talk some college football. Um, it wasn't the greatest weekend of college football. I think I'll say, um, there weren't a lot, a ton of massive matchups. Uh, Oregon state versus Washington was a pretty big matchup and spoiler alert, by the way, that's like the, that's the good game of the week. That was the actual good game of the week. It was a fun game to watch. Uh, wasn't, you know, exhilarating offensive offensively. Um, but it was still a very fun watch, uh, just because both those teams are pretty, I would say more evenly matched than I think we maybe expected at the beginning of the year. Washington's kind of been sputtering a little bit, both offensively and defensively, to be honest, their defenses, in my opinion, played better than their offense in the last few weeks. Um, 
But given what we saw from Washington the first half of the year, this their offense is kind of sputtering a little bit, which is why like I look at a team like Oregon from when Washington played Oregon, which was, what was it, four weeks ago, something like that? I can't believe that. It's already been three, four weeks. Um, I think a lot of people would successfully make the argument that Oregon has been a better team since then. Uh, a more complete team. Uh, Washington has led a couple bad teams kind of hang around with them in that time, and Oregon just has kind of blown everybody out that they've played. And I think Oregon is probably the best team in the Pac-12 right now for me, but again, the head-to-head matchup is going to conquer all in those situations, especially if Washington heads into the Pac-12 championship as undefeated. Um, but if Oregon avenges that losses in the Pac- that loss in the Pac-12 championship, then, you know, who knows what's going to happen? And it's all up for grabs at that point. Um, but yeah, like uh, Washington, Oregon state was probably the biggest game of the weekend. It was one of the only head to head matchups that really had a lot of um, playoff implications. I would say for both teams, uh, Oregon state's a two loss team. So they didn't really have a whole lot of a chance to get in, but they, they needed a lot of help. But even with those two lost teams, they still a, a slight possibility. But again, you would need a lot of help to get in from that point, even if they ended up winning that game. But still, I mean, the possibility was there. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty barren in terms of, you know, top 25 matchups that were playoff implications. We had a couple others like Utah played. Um, who did Utah play? I just forgot. Utah played uh, Arizona, Arizona, by the way, Arizona, a good surprise out West so far this year. They're eight and three after the law after, after they beat Utah, um, a good surprise, a fun team to watch, honestly, as well, a team that takes like some fun risks and stuff like that. Their offense has been a ton of fun to watch. That's a, an interesting team. They might be, I mean, quietly one of the better teams. I mean, obviously one of the better teams in the PAC 12. I think, I still think that they have a last time I looked a path to the PAC 12 championship as well. They need some help as well, but um, wouldn't be stunned to see them get into the PAC 12 championship either. Uh, but Arizona has been such, they've been kind of a laughing stock uh, of college football the last few years to see them come back and be a top 25 team and beat a team like Utah. Uh, was pretty impressive and not only beat them, they kind of dominated Utah this past weekend. So that's good to see Utah got some really good news as well. Uh, after this weekend, Cam Rising's coming back for his, you know, 15th season in the NCAA. That's a joke, obviously, but I'm pretty sure it is close to like sixth season or seventh season or something ridiculous like that. Um, but that'll be great for Utah. That, that's going to put Utah right back into the conversation for um, not only best team in their upcoming conference, who do they, they go to the Big 12 next year, if I remember correctly, um, but also in the national conversation as well. Once we get to towards playoff time next year, uh, if Cam Rising can stay healthy, that's going to be a very good team. And they always seem to build out their defense regardless of what they lose. So, um, Again, another season that you're going to want to keep an eye out for Utah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on before um, we get into poo-poo garbage, no good game of the week, some other topics as well. The Heisman race um, this season has been a very fun one. We This is probably the closest Heisman race that we've had uh, in a long time, I think, uh, in, a, in a while at the very least. It feels like there are still pretty some some three like three clear front runners right now, and the Heisman has kind of really turned outside of a couple um, random not uh, random is probably the wrong word, but uh, outliers. Uh, the the Heisman has really turned into more of a quarterback, especially since the game has evolved to focus a lot more on the passing game. Has really evolved into more of a quarterback award than it has been anything else. I think the last running back to win it was. The Derrick Henry, is that right? Yeah, Derrick Henry, and that was back in 2015. Um, and outside of Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram and Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith won in 2020, Mark Ingram won in 2009. Uh, outside of those three guys, since 2007, it's all been quarterbacks. So um, 
doing math there. I'm not going to do the math, but three of the last however many uh, Heisman Trophy winners since 2009 have been quarterbacks. Um, the other two running backs and wide receivers. So it's become such a heavily dominated quarterback um, quarterback award at this point. It's basically a quarterback award, maybe a wide receiver award at times. Devontae Smith be kind of being the outlier there uh, over the last seven years, even I would say uh, in that one. But even like looking at the 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 percentage, the vote percentage, um, it, it, like there's a very good chance that we get our first like really close Heisman race towards the end of the year that we've had in a long time, I would say. So like going back to the last 13 years, back to 2010, which was the year Cam Newton won, uh, 10 of the next 13 Heisman winners, so Cam Newton included, uh, 10 of the next 13 Heisman winners won with 70% or more of the total vote getting. So that's like a pretty substantial margin for a lot of those guys to win. And even um, the people that were less than 70%, so Devontae Smith was one of them, uh, Derrick Henry was the other, and then uh, Robert Griffin III, they were all at 60 plus, 60% or more to uh, in terms of total votes getting. So that's still a pretty wide margin, even with 60%, um, 60% or more. I think Robert Griffin III had the lowest at 60.6%, uh, and all the others are higher than that. Derrick Henry had 65% of the total votes, and Devontae Smith had 66% of the total votes. Um, so within the past 13 years, we've had a lot of, I think, pretty well-established blowout winners in the Heisman race. And this year, I don't know if we're going to get you know, that sub 60% section, like we'll see. Um, but I, there's very much a, a strong, po- I think there's a, a strong possibility uh, where we could get, uh, you know, uh, Michael Penix has 150 first place votes. Bo Nix gets 200 first place votes. And then Jaden Daniels rounds it out with like 235 first place votes, like something like that. And you could kind of switch those uh, first through third people as much as you want to. But the odds on favorite right now is Jaden Daniels. I think he's at minus Minus 130 is what he is at um, right now. Or excuse, yeah, minus 130. Minus 120, you can get him at uh, even minus 110 in some places as well. Like FanDuel, I think, has him at minus 110. Um, and then it goes Bo Nix, which is the consensus at plus 140. You can get him at plus 125 in some places. Um, and then uh, Michael Penix is in third. He's at plus 650. But again, that could change pretty drastically. Like if Michael Penix gets all the way to the Pac-12 Championships, uh, Pac-12 Championship plays Oregon again and then just dominates Oregon, uh, puts on a show against Oregon that can drastically change. Like he could probably become a front runner because Jaden Daniels isn't going to be playing for a, um, a SEC championship. And if Michael Penix or even Bo Nix as well um, puts on a show in the Pac-12 championship, then that can drastically change where these odds are going to be in the next few weeks. And uh, some other guys on here, Marvin Harrison Jr., who has had a pretty solid year as well at wide receiver for Ohio State. One guy I'm surprised we don't see on here is. Malik Neighbors from LSU. He's had, um, he's another wide receiver, and he's had an outstanding, like an unreal, an unreal season um, at LSU. Basically, been the primary product from a lot of what Jaden Daniels has done. He leads the league, uh, the league, the country in receiving. I think he has like eight, like eight or nine um, uh, games with 100 plus yards receiving, uh, 12 touchdowns on the season, which is uh, up in the tops of the country as well. But if you look at uh, a lot of the betting odds, he's not even in, not even in a lot of the odds conversation, which is surprising to me. Um, Oh, never mind. He's in there, but it's at like plus five, like 50,000 or something ridiculous like that. But he's arguably had a better season than Marvin Harrison jr. So I, I think a lot of this conversation comes from, um, 
the quarterback perspective, I think a lot of people are leaning towards Marvin, or at least Marvin Harrison Jr. And this is not taking anything away from Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to be a fantastic, he's going to be a top five draft pick probably in this upcoming draft. And he's going to be a fantastic wide receiver in the NFL. I have all the confidence in the world, obviously of that. Uh, he's one of the best protect prospects. I think a lot of people have ever evaluated at the wide receiver position. Um, but I mean, I mean, Malik neighbors, he's had uh, f- an unbelievable season. In LSU. He leads, uh, he has higher receiving yardage than, uh, more receiving yards than, um, than Marvin Harrison jr. I think he's had, a consistently better output than Marvin Harrison Jr. And he's been the byproduct of why Jaden Daniels is leading uh, the, uh, the the consensus in terms of Heisman voting right now, or Heisman odds, I guess is what I should say, uh, at this point in time. So it surprises me a little bit, but that's why I think a lot of this, like I think it's a very quarterback-heavy, um, a quarterback-heavy award, the Heisman award is now at this point. I think you have to have, like, if you're a wide receiver, you have to have some insane jaw dropping type numbers in order for um, Heisman voters to even really consider you as an option to win the Heisman. That's why Devontae Smith got it, but he had, you know, like one of the best seasons of all time finished with like uh, almost 120 receptions in 2020, almost 2000 yards. And he had 23 touchdowns, which is absurd. Again, Malik neighbors, he only has 1400 yards right now. He could get to eight. I mean, Tough ask, but he could get to 1,800 yards, but he's not going to get to 120 receptions, and he's definitely not going to get to 23 TDs in that short amount of time. So, um, like, he, you know, uh, Devontae Smith finished with almost uh, 11 more touchdowns than Neighbors did at this at uh, when he won his Heisman Trophy. So you have to, like, really blow it out the water if you are a wide receiver. If you want to be considered for a Heisman vote or a Heisman, uh, Heisman winning season, you have to have like an unbelievable season in order to win the Heisman um, as a wide receiver. Whereas quarterbacks still have to be, have a very good season, but not like record breaking by any means. Um, uh, like a Joe Burrow type season. You don't have to have that every single year in order to win, uh, win the Heisman. So it's interesting how the Heisman trophy has kind of just changed to essentially, um, you know, not entirely, but essentially a quarterback, uh, centric award at this point. There's still, you'll, you'll get wide receivers that sneak in there a little bit. We haven't had a running back in a long time since 2015. I don't think, I don't want to say we're never going to get a running back again. I mean, a lot of stuff can change, but I think it's, it's pretty clear. It's going to be a very, it's a very difficult award to win. If you are running back at this point, it used to be a very heavy running back award. Um, there used to be a lot of running backs that would win this award. Um, uh, but now at this point there's, it's, it's very much a, uh, a quarterback award now at this point it used to be running back and quarterback but now it's it's quarterbacks pretty much only and uh, maybe wide receiver and uh, now maybe running backs but that's pretty much it Um, but yeah this year it looks like we're gonna have at least coming down to the very end of it as tight of a race as we've ever we've had in a long time anyways um, uh, Heisman race that we've had in a long time so I'm excited for that and I don't love I hate the 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 award show that they do for that because it's one award and it's an hour long show. I've talked about this on the show on the podcast before, but um, like just make an announcement, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an hour long show and I get they hack they want to do it because it is, it's a very prestigious award, obviously. Uh, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay it by any means, but maybe put all the awards together. That would be kind of cool and make it an hour long. That would make it worth it. That would make the, the, the award show watch that we watch worth it. But for whatever reason, they think the Heisman, award by itself deserves an hour long show, which is ridiculous. And they just go through, I mean, they, they have, they tell a story about each prospect or each uh, finalist and whatever. And, you know, those are cool, I guess for certain groups of people, but I'm just like, I'm like, Hey, let's just get the award done. Please, please. I, let's just get this. Let's get this award done with please. Um, all right. 
yeah, Heisman Award. It's coming up too. I mean that 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 uh, award ceremony is coming up pretty quick. I think they do that in December, if I remember correctly. Once um, once all the the regular season is done, conference championships are done, we're getting closer to playoff time. I think that's they do it like a little bit before. I think like a week before. Um, the playoff actually starts if I remember correctly. So that'll be the end of December or mid mid December, something like that. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I do think that like either Bonix or Michael Penix are depending on how they play in the Pac-12 championship. If either one of them have a very good Pac-12 championship game and they're playing against one another, then I think they're probably going to jump Jaden Daniels because there is something to be said to be said about uh, like championship bias, conference champion bias. Um, and seeing somebody win their conference, whereas Jaden Daniels in the SEC uh, is not going to get a lot of the nod that um, those other two teams are because they won their conference. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that kind of ends up. Hello, my friends and fellow confidants. It is time now to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, I may have a bit of a hot take here, to be honest with you. I think there is no better way to watch a game of football, especially professional football, maybe even college football, than the comfort of your own home with your big TV, your own personal snacks. You know, you don't have to go to the concession stand to get a $9 hot dog paired with a $7.5 water. No, you can have your own water. You can make your own hot dogs at home. And you can just sit there on your couch and watch football. You can't do any of that, though, without a home to do it in. And Jack and Kathleen Wood are the people to do it with at 307 Real Estate. They can help you at both buy and sell property that you are looking to list or purchase in the Sheridan area and beyond. They have been part of this community since 2004 when they first moved here. And ever since, they have been working to better the community and make it a more beautiful place to live they are both ambassadors with the Chamber of Commerce, so they know this community like the back of their hand. So they are the people that you're going to want to talk to for all of your real estate needs, whether it be buying or selling. You've all heard the slogan, call Jack, get ready to pack, and you can call Jack at 307-763-1249 or Kathleen at 307-461-7203. That's Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Big thank you to them for sponsoring the show. That leads me to something I kind of want to talk about. This will be short. Um, bowl games are right around the corner. You guys know how I feel about bowl games for the most part. Not great. Uh, some of them cool. Some of them not so great. Like their advertisements, we're, we've kind of come to accept that at this point. For the, for the most part, a lot of them are just ads for whatever the primary sponsor is, like Duke's Mayo. They're, they're just, and I, I kind of appreciate the Duke's Mayo one because they just lean into it. They're just like, yeah, this is one giant advertisement with football thrown into the side. Uh, the winner of the the head coach of the winning team gets dunked in, in mayonnaise, Duke's mayonnaise. So I appreciate the fact that they're just leaning into it. The other ones are kind of not trying to hide it and like, hey, this is still just a football game. You know, we're just here. But it, it's a giant advertisement. The, the, the Bulls don't really mean anything. Granted, I do think in the age of NIL, in, of the age of, uh, in the age of NIL that those bowl games could become a lot more important or... Um, at the very least with the money that can exchange hands now legally, um, we could see more of these star players still play in bowl games. Like, you know, one of these primary sponsors, Sony or PlayStation or whatever. Um, I think they did the Fiesta Bowl for a while or something like that. And I can't remember which bowl games are the playoff games, which is also a really dumb format. Like, why are we doing bowl games as playoff games? Just have the bowl games and the playoff games separate. They're just separate things. Like nobody cares about winning 
and a semifinal trophy in the NFL or any of the other major sports. Somebody, nobody cares about winning a semifinal trophy, especially one that doesn't tie to a conference or anything. It's just the semifinal. You know, uh, it'd be different. You know, it's a, maybe a little different if you win the Western Conference in the NBA, but in the college football, it's just a semifinal. Like there's no primary connection to one part of you know the country like the ncaa basketball bracket is essentially uh, and even those ones are kind of you know they're whatever um anyways i'm going I'm, I'm breaking out onto a rant um but yeah if one of those sponsors could put up like decent amount of nil money you can lure like some superstars to continue to play in those bowl games some of them like the caleb williams of the world it's probably not going to happen in my opinion like he's he's obviously got a very, very bright future ahead of him in the, in the NFL. He's going to make a lot more money than whatever they're going to offer uh, at, uh, as an NIL contract for a bowl game. So he's probably no, no, you know, no deal there, but maybe, uh, you know, a lower rated prospect or something like that, who isn't going to make as much money if he gets drafted in the fifth or the sixth round or something like that, but he's a great player in college. Maybe you offer him an NIL deal and he comes and plays in the bowl game um, that you are sponsoring or something like that. I think it's going to offer a lot more opportunities for superstar players of these teams to play in these bowl games, which I think is going to be good for bowl season in general, uh, heading into the future, especially like the New Year's Six Bowls, which for the most part, like I think the Rose Bowl still has that aura around it, enough of an aura around it that allows, you know, the stars that still want to play in it. Um, but I think, you know, like the Fiesta Bowl doesn't really have that. The Cotton Bowl, in my opinion, doesn't really have that. Um, the Sugar Bowl doesn't really have that. They're just called New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, they're on New Year's Day, but they're like the big bowls of bowl season um, if they're not playoff games. Um, and I think they're just kind of called that because they're played one in big places and they're usually like good marquee matchups. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I, I think there's a good avenue here for NIL to, to make a, like bowl season a little bit more fun to watch at the very least if you're willing to offer um, NIL money to a lot of those players in order to play in those bowl games. I think there's an avenue. Um, for that to happen, which will be cool, hopefully, in this upcoming bowl season or something that we see in this upcoming bowl season. I'd be interested to see that. Um, some full bowl, uh, some fun bowl game matchups that I do want to actually see, and I don't know if they'd be good or bad, to be honest with you. No idea. Not a clue. Not a clue if they'd be good or bad. Um, one that I really want to see, just to kind of see how it plays out, and it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, to be honest with you. Um, it's still very much in play. I'd love to see Iowa play USC. Iowa, very good defense and offense that can't do anything. They're two opposite sides of the spectrum. An offense that can't do anything, literally can't do anything. Like their punter has a better chance of winning the Heisman Trophy than their running back does. You know, like that's how bad it is at this point. Um, and I think their defense is also very good. Like their defense is very good. Their defense could kind of stick with, I think, a large portion of the country when it comes to uh, defense versus offense. Uh, granted, I don't think they'll play Michigan or Ohio state. And I mean, even Penn state, like they got blown out by Penn state, but I think there are some teams, uh, outside of the big 10 that they would actually play pretty well. And I think USC could be one of those teams because they're the exact opposite. Very, very good offense. We'll see how good it is. If Caleb Williams isn't there, if they can kind of just slide somebody else in there in that, in that quarterback position, and they'd still be somewhat an effective offense. Um, and, but their defense doesn't, their defense is terrible. Just terrible so two completely opposite sides of the spectrum it'd be fun to see which one of those teams would come out victorious in that situation honestly without caleb williams i might go iowa in that game which is crazy i have no idea what the over under would be in that game it'd still probably be pretty low because 
you know, if USC gets rolling, there's no chance that Iowa's going to be able to catch up to USC. So it would either be something like 35 to 7 or something like that. So in overall, an under of like 42 isn't that low. But, you know, that that's really high to Iowa standards. Low for USC standards, but really high for Iowa standards. Now, granted, if they play Iowa's game, it could we could watch a game that's, you know, 21 to 14, 21 to 17, something like that. And, uh, you know, finishing with a 35 or a 38 over under would be would be would be right up Iowa's alley, even less than that. Right up Iowa's alley. Um, but without Caleb Williams, that'd be an interesting game to watch. I'd be see, curious to see how they would be able to adapt to an Iowa defense that is very, very good at stop, at basically all facets of the game. Whereas um, uh, USC's offense would have to adapt and is very good. Uh, in all facets of the game as well. So that would be a fun bowl matchup to watch, I think, uh, two polar opposite sides of the spectrum playing one another. Um, and that's, again, very feasible. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. USC right now is 7-4, and four, and uh, Iowa right now is... I, can't, I cannot believe this, by the way. I cannot believe... We do this every week, um, but they're 9-2, and two, so maybe, a, maybe punching down a little bit. If, I can't believe I'm saying this either. Iowa may be punching down a little bit trying to take on USC, but... I mean, again, Iowa likes to get fat off of the Big Ten West, which is terrible. Just a bunch of really bad garbage teams. Um, and that's how they're nine and two at this point. And again, nine and two is insane for this Iowa team. I cannot believe they're a nine and two. We talked about them in the earlier at the early part of this year. I mean, we've talked about Iowa a lot, a lot in this season. Um, but I, I remember saying at the beginning of this year, like penciled them in for eight and five, even if they're scoring 14 points a game. And that's basically where they're at. In fact, they're overshooting expectations. Like nine and two is a very good year for Iowa football. They're going to go into the big 10 championship game. Cause they've already cleansed the big 10 championship uh, or a big 10, big 10 championship appearance. Um, and they're going to play either Michigan or Ohio state. And that's going to be a bloodbath. I don't care who they play. I think either Michigan or Ohio state is going to blow them out. And that's kind of, that's what Iowa does, right? They just destroy the big 10 West dominate their side of the conference get into the Big Ten Championship game, and then just lay an egg against I, against Michigan or Ohio State. And if they beat Michigan or Ohio State, I'll gladly capitulate. And they'd be very much deserved winners of the Big Ten, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but the, it'd be fun to watch in a bowl game. It'd be fun to watch them play USC in a bowl game. I, I, would, I would be intrigued by that matchup. Another one that I want to see that is also very feasible. There are going to be a lot of teams, probably like two to three teams, they're going to be left out of the playoff this year that probably also deserve to be in the playoff this year. Cause there's a lot of really good teams, good undefeated teams, good one, to, uh, one loss teams that are probably going to be left out of the playoff. Uh, it's more top heavy than I can remember to be honest with you. Just looking at the rankings right now, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, Florida state just lost Jordan Travis, which is very unfortunate. But again, that's not necessarily a death sentence. We saw Ohio state do it in 2014 when JT Barrett went down, Cardell Jones came in and won the national championship with that team. Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama. Those are all teams I can totally see making a run uh, for the playoff and even in the playoff if they got there. So a bunch of teams that could make a a serious run at it um, and potentially win a championship. Um, So that means a couple teams are going to be left out. And one or two of those teams are going to be current Pac-12, or at least one of those. One of these two teams are Pac-12 teams, Oregon, Washington. One of these, the one of those teams is bound to be left out. Um, the only way I can see it happening where neither of those teams gets left out is if both of those teams meet in the conference championship, Pac-12 conference championship. Washington has moved up a couple spots, so maybe a Georgia loss to you know whoever they play next. I don't even remember. I'm so I'm so convinced that they're going to just get the SEC championship game, and it doesn't matter. Um, 
but or let's say Washington moves up a lot a lot further. Florida State loses their next game or something like that. Michigan or Ohio State, you know, beat one another. One of them falls out. Washington moves up. Maybe they're the second ranked team in the country, and then Oregon plays them, uh, and they're Oregon's uh, the the fourth ranked team in the country or something like that. If Oregon beats Washington in that Pac-12 championship game, I can see a situation where both of those teams get in. Maybe unfeasible, but I can see that situation happening. They'd both be one loss teams. Oregon would be Pac-12 champion. Uh, Washington would not be a Pac-12 champion, but again, a one-loss team. Maybe a close loss to Oregon still gets them in a field goal, something like that. Wouldn't completely be out of the realm of possibilities. But in all, for the most part, um, one of those teams is going to be left out. And something I would like to see is if Michigan and Ohio State, they play one another, one of those teams gets left out because one of them is no longer undefeated. Uh, I would like to see a matchup between either one of those Pac-12 teams, Oregon-Washington versus one of those Big Ten teams, Ohio State versus Michigan, in a bowl game like the Sugar Bowl. The Rose Bowl this year, I think, is a playoff game, so they're not going to have a typical Rose Bowl game. It's a playoff game this year, so there won't be a typical bowl matchup. It'll be one of the top four teams playing in those, or two of the top four teams playing in that game. Um, you know, But I would like to see see them, or even the Orange Bowl, I'd uh, like to see one of those two teams. One Pac-12 team into that's going into the big 10 this up this upcoming season. So kind of we're getting like a preview of what it's to be expected uh, when these two teams collide next season as a conference matchup, just in the regular season. I think that is, you know what? I'm going to put a a Jimmy T guarantee on it. What that, that matchup is going to happen either Michigan or Ohio state versus Washington or Oregon in a new year's six game, whether it be the cotton bowl, orange bowl, one of those bowl games, it is going to happen. You can put a Jimmy T guarantee on it. I'm guaranteeing it because that is a storyline that will be interesting and will lead into the next season because uh, both Washington and Oregon are going into the Big Ten next season. So I put a Jimmy T guarantee on it, write it in pencil, but kind of maybe start tracing it in ink because I'm so confident in that in that call that I think it's going to happen. Now, let's put some qualifying factors on it, though. If one of the or both of those two conference teams make it into the into the into the playoff, then obviously it's null and void. You know, they can't play one another, obviously, um, in the in the Sugar Bowl or whatever New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, but I do think one of those teams is going to be left out. One of those four teams is going to left out. Posit- or two of those four teams are going to be left out um, in when it comes to the playoff. And I think the two that are left out would make a very good bowl matchup against the one or the other um, for a preview of the upcoming Big Ten um, what is to expect in the Big Ten this upcoming season. I, I'm putting a Jimmy T guarantee on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see which one it'll be. Right now, For all, if, if it were my money, I would imagine Oregon probably gets in right now. Um, again, Oregon, probably the best team in the country right now, in my opinion, from everything that we've seen. They've played lights out over the last five to six weeks. Um, they've had, you know, a couple like uh, they're probably about a play or two away from beating Washington in that game. Uh, and they've basically dominated everybody else they played up against since then. So I think if it were my money, Oregon is if they beat Washington will on their way, obviously to uh, getting into the playoff and for Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan's a tough one because they have the scandal going on. That has to be going on around um, the committee's mind that has to be running around in the committee's mind right now. Um, and I get they serve like Jim Harbaugh is going to be serving his suspension. His suspension will be up by the time playoffs come around. But I mean, if Michigan loses to Ohio state, you're just get like, it's you're not, you're not in. I think at this point, like, I don't think there's any way if Michigan loses to Ohio state in this game, in the, in the game that comes up between this two, uh, between those two. And then Michigan's not going to get into the big 10 conference championship. Um, then I think Michigan gets left out because they'll use the idea that, 
you know, you lost to Michigan and you didn't win the conference championship, you know, but I do think there's going to be some sort of, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, you guys were caught cheating. Of course, we're going to, you know, we're going to punish you in a different way as well. I think that's, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. Florida state as well. That's a tough one. We'll have to see how their offense looks without Jordan Travis, um, with their backup quarterback who I don't have in front of me, who I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but see how they perform without him. Um, and, um, I mean, maybe they still kind of continue on like a Cardale Jones situation, but that's pretty rare. That's asking a lot. Uh, and I don't expect that to be honest from Florida state, but we'll see who knows, who knows. That's only going to open another door for one of the other three teams on the outside looking in, uh, that could make a serious run at it. And again, we've talked a little bit, this a uh, little bit about this week after week, but Alabama just quietly one loss to Texas, uh, in a, in a game, they really kind of got dominated in. But outside of that, They've really improved week yeah, week after week after week, and there's no season that I think has really made Nick Saban more happy than the season he's having with Alabama right now, where he's kind of you know stepped away from the limelight a little bit as the head, as Alabama football um, because everybody else has really started to take over the limelight, and he's just made that team better every single week. Jalen Milrow has turned into a pretty solid dual threat option out of the quarterback spot. And the team has just progressively gotten better. Their defense as well has gotten really good over those past two. So I wouldn't be stunned to see them go into the SEC championship game, beat Georgia, just sim- the, a very similar story that we saw last year. They go in, beat Georgia. Georgia stays in because, I mean, at this point, the SEC championship doesn't matter to them. Uh, they're just expecting playoff. And then oh, Alabama gets in, Georgia gets in, and you got two other teams that are vying for a position into that spot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. If, if there was any scenario I could see playing out to be Georgia, Alabama, uh, the winner of the big 10 Michigan or either Michigan or Ohio state. And then the winner of the pac 12. That's how I think it'll probably shake out. If it were, if it were up, if it were me, um, very similar to last season, but I do think Georgia is still pretty substantially better than Alabama. So I could see them absolutely beating, um, Alabama in the sec championship game. And then just, you know, Bob's your uncle, like nothing happened. They're moving on again. Alabama's out. And then we got three separate teams, three other separate teams in there still. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, quickly, let's talk poo-poo garbage. Huh? We had some poo-poo garbage game of the week. Uh, it is time for the poo-poo garbage game of the week. Iowa was on this list as well. They were, of course, a finalist. They had a bad game against Illinois, but that's a weekly segment at this point. I mean, it might as well be the Iowa segment. That's what or we might as well call it. Um, but the pick this week is not, not Iowa, Illinois. Again, it was a finalist, but it is not them this week. In fact, it is one of our very own armed forces. One of our very own armed forces. They were taking on Navy. The midshipmen were taking on ECU, and this game was terrible. If you know Navy, you know that they love to run the football. That's basically all they do, uh, and that's all they did in this game, and they won 10 to nothing. ECU couldn't score a touchdown. It was a terrible offensive game for both of these teams, to be honest with you. But ECU put together one of the worst offensive performances in terms of EPA uh, that I remember seeing this season. They had a negative 42.64 EPA, total EPA, a negative 33.56 offensive EPA. They had four turnovers. Uh, They couldn't do anything on the ground, literally nothing on the ground. They had 30 yards on the ground in 17 rushes. They had 30 yards. That's a 1.76 average. Truly terrible. Just god-awful. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, Navy, they were relatively productive on the ground. They had 192 yards on the ground. Uh, You know, didn't really mean anything scoring-wise, but still 192 yards on the ground. Uh, And, by the way, total total yardage for ECU, sub-200. They had less than 200 yards in total. 155 yards through the air 
um, 30 yards on the ground. Just terrible. 185 yards total for ECU. They get shut out by Navy. It was brutal. It was terrible. It was an awful game. Never want to watch it again. I hate watching. There's not a worse game to watch than watching one of the armed forces teams like win a defensive battle because that's going to be a bad game. Like that's going to be a really bad game, a really tough game to watch because if they're winning a defensive battle, that means they are running the football a ton and it's not necessarily being very effective, but they're just going to run it a ton anyways, because that's like their offense. That's all they do. And, and you know, 10, nothing games for Navy. Like that's a good game for them, but for everybody else that's watching it, just kill me. The over under in this game, by the way, was 55 and a half. <laughs> Missed it by about 45 and a half points. It was 10 to nothing. The final score. That was the poo poo garbage. No good game of the week. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk NFL next. Beautiful podcast listeners. James here. It is time to hear from another one of our sponsors, Alpine Climate Control. If you're a listener of mine, you know that Alpine Climate Control has been supporting the stuff that I do for a very long time, years now. And they are now officially sponsoring the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast as well. If you're looking for somebody to set up air conditioning systems, air conditioners, that sort of thing, Alpine Climate Control is the people to see. They also have air conditioning tune-ups. A good idea if your AEC is not working properly, if it's not functioning properly, if you're standing in front of it, you're like, this should be a lot colder. And it's not, probably needs a tune-up. So check them out for all your air conditioning needs and AC tune-ups. They also have furnace systems and fireplace inserts. We are slowly approaching the fall months, and it is a good idea to get those things Figure it out and work it on now than as you enter the fall months. But their creme de la creme, the cream of their crop, their specialty is their outdoor living spaces. They've got seating, fire pits, lighting, barbecue grills. If you're somebody that like, likes a little backyard barbecue, then they are the people to see to set you up. That's Alpine Climate Control. Stop by their showroom. They're on Coffee Avenue just before Sheridan College and a little bit after Starbucks or go online to alpineclimatecontrol.com and you can see all of their offerings there as well. That's alpineclimatecontrol.com. And again, big thank you to Alpine Climate Control for sponsoring the program. One of my favorite things about this show, to be honest with you, is as I'm recording this, I can hear myself back in the earbuds that I'm wearing and I can continuously, as I'm doing this, hear my voice degrade as the show goes forward, like starting from about 10 minutes, because again, I, this is just me. Like I'm the only one talking here. I'll take a couple breaks here and there, but for the most part, it's just to good, like take a sip of water and I can just hear my voice just like kind of going like after, after about 25 minutes of just straight talking, it, it starts to go, which, you know, maybe that's a, it's a negative toward the show. Sure. Sure. If you want to call it that, but I just like hearing it because it's kind of funny. Um, NFL. Hey, football. We love football around here. Let's talk some football. Uh, the Chargers, oh my God, there's not a better losing team in the NFL. There's not a team that just finds a way to lose better than the than the Chargers. There's nobody better at it. And I, it really makes me upset because Justin Herbert is a premium product, one, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. He's unbelievable at what he does. He makes, I think, weekly at least one throw that just blows my mind. Week after week, I, I can I can think of one throw every single week where he just puts it in a spot that no one else can. And this week, we had um, Chargers taking on the Packers. And again, it was another one of those weeks. Herbert made an unbelievable throw into the end zone. Um, it was actually caught, which was a godsend for the Chargers. They had a ton of drop balls in that game against the Packers. Ended up costing them the game. I mean, there were two, maybe three touchdown plays, if not touchdown plays, at least scoring opportunities that were blown 
because of drop passes in that game uh, by Keenan Allen, by Quentin Johnson, who had probably the worst one. Uh, Austin Eckler had one. I think he fumbled in the red zone as well. Eckler had a wild game yesterday. I mean, there was a lot of trending. Uh, I, I said yesterday, not yesterday, Sunday, excuse me. Um, he had a lot of trending videos that were had, that were going around the interwebs, if you will. Uh, one of them was he took a, an outside handoff around the tackle, and he looked like he was, uh, I, I don't want to say jogging, because it looks like he was trying to put in a full sprint, but he looked slow, like really, really slow. Um, and it made me wonder if he had that, like, because he had that ankle injury, and I, w- I was wondering if that was nagging at him a little bit or something like that. But if that was the case, like, get him out of there. Like, if you saw that clip, it was like, he looked like a fullback running the football. It was unbelievable. Um, he also fumbled in the red zone, which cost them points in that situation. Um, a game that they absolutely should have won. Again, Quentin Johnson drops a football, uh, a pass that would have put them in field goal range to possibly win the game. Uh, and then uh, Keenan Allen dropped a couple that were near near uh, either a first down near the goal line or touchdowns at the goal line that ended up costing them points as well. Just a brutal game. There was one that hit Keenan Allen. I could like it could not the ball could not have been in a better spot. It hit him in between the, like literally in between the numbers in the shoulder pads. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what's happening there in Los Angeles. Like they're just a a team of professional losers. They cannot get out of their own way. They love, there's no better team at finding a way to lose a football game right now than the Los Angeles chargers. And it makes me upset because it's like, give Herbert and like, just please Herbert has the, the, some of the best ability on planet earth to throw football and it's just being blown away. It's just being blown away. And he just signed a contract extension there. So he's there for the long haul. And if we have to watch his receivers drop more balls and his in his defense just look completely lost out there ever week after week, I'm I'm gonna die. I can't do it. He's so good. I it, we're just wasting it at this point. It's just a waste. Uh that's that was a tough game to watch. And that made me sad. The other another tough game to watch. Steelers versus Browns. By the way, the Steelers versus Browns uh, on Sunday was I can't believe this is a real stat. It was the only game, um, only matchup on Sunday between two teams who were both 500 and above. That's crazy. There's a lot of mediocre football being played in the NFL right now. Like a lot of mediocre football being played. Uh, I think Tom Brady even said he was like, yeah, there's a lot of mediocre football as well. Like he said that as well, which I mean, granted, you know, very Monday morning quarterback of you. It's okay for me to do it. He was literally a quarterback. You know, it's a little different for Tom Brady. So yeah, I'll say it, you know, let me say it, Tom. Um, and that Browns versus Steelers game, by the way, was not great. And that was not a great game either. I hate the AFC North at this point. It is such a hard watch, uh, especially now since Joe Burrow has got, went down and the bagels are going to be throwing in Jake Browning as their quarterback. Who knows? Jake Browning could be a good guy. I mean, a good quarterback. He was very good at Washington. Um, not at, at the university of Washington, uh, led them to a playoff appearance. If I remember correctly. Um, so, you know, who knows? Maybe we could break out a little bit on the Bengals. Uh, but again, like we're replacing Joe Burrow with Jake Browning. Like that, that, that entire con- uh, division outside of the Ravens is so offensively challenged that it is impossible to watch. Like the Steelers, somehow the Steelers are above 500 team. Um, their offense is completely useless. They really win games by their special teams and defense. Like they, like I've talked about this before on the podcast. They're, everybody says how important the quarterback position is. And they're just like, yeah, we don't need it. Who who needs it? Not us. We'll win seven seven games, six games or whatever through uh through nine weeks. No problem. Not a problem, sir. 
We don't need a quarterback. Who needs a quarterback? Uh, and it's really annoying, to be honest with you. I hate it. Uh, same with the Browns, to be honest with you. Deshaun Watson is not a very good quarterback anymore, it seems like. Uh, and he just got he, he was he got sat for the rest of the year because he was injured. And now we had to watch Dorian Thompson Robinson DTR. Uh, and he wasn't terrible by any means, but he, you know, I, I didn't think he showed in me anything that made me think he was going to be taking over that spot permanently by any means. And then we got to mention as well, this happened today. Uh, the Steelers fired Matt Canna, their offensive coordinator. This is an unbelievable stat that I could not believe was real. Um, Matt Canada was the first coordinator slash head coach firing from the Steelers during in the middle of a season since 1941. <laughs> 1941 that we were three years into World War II at that point. That was the last time they fired a head coach slash offensive coordinator midseason. That is insane. Now, granted, Steelers are very well known for not having like they're they have like a very short head coach list for the most part. It's been Mike Tomlin uh, forever now at this point, basically, what is it, 15 years at this point and deservedly so. I mean, he's doing one of the best coaching jobs of the season, in my opinion. Um, and they, they just historically have not fired head coaches. They really stick with their head coaches and their coordinators for as long as possible before they move on from them. And that Matt Canada was one of those examples. Uh, and now he has been fired. First coordinator fired from the Steelers in the middle of the season since 1941. 1941. Do you know what happened in 1941? Pearl Harbor happened. The attack on Pearl Harbor happened in 1941. That's how long ago that was. That's insane. Um, so yeah, the AFC North just like if the Ravens don't run away with the AFC North at this point, granted they can't beat the Steelers for whatever reason. I don't really understand why it's one of the weirdest matchup problems that they have that anybody has in the entire NFL is the Ravens for some reason, like really struggling against the Steelers. Um, but I mean, they lost Mark Andrews as well. So they're dealing with injuries, but at least, I mean, they have a healthy quarterback and that should lead you as far as you need to go in a division. like outside of, they're, they're the only team in that division that has a healthy quarterback outside the Steelers, but they have Kenny Pickett and he hasn't shown anything since he's been quarterback. So, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see with the AFC North. I hate that. that that's a, I mean, that, that, that stupid division has so much promise because those are like, that should be a stacked division, just like top to bottom roster wise for whatever reason, like the, in their defenses are just terrible or excuse me, their offenses are just terrible. Their defenses are great. Um, and it's just like a, it's a bloodbath every single year. It's a bloodbath every single year in that division. Uh, the Jets. Let's talk about the Jets. One of the most interesting stories, in my opinion, of the season is coming out of New York right now. Of the entire season uh, is coming out of New York right now. Um, Tim Boyle. For those of you that don't know, he was the backup quarterback. Actually, the third string quarterback for the Jets coming into the season. Um, Zach Wilson just got benched after that, the game against the bills this weekend, he got benched to Robert Sala says the new starting quarterback for the New York jets is Tim Boyle, Tim Boyle for those that don't know. And I don't know why you would, he was a quarterback at UConn from 2013 to 2015. And he has one of the most, the strange, like, I don't know how he's in the NFL to be honest with you. It's pretty insane. Um, he, in college, this is his stat line in college, and this, I'm not making this up. He played for UConn, and his career stat line, he completed uh, 48.4% of his passes at UConn uh, for 1,237 yards. He had one touchdown and 13 interceptions at UConn. One touchdown, 13 interceptions. One of the strangest come-ups, maybe. I mean, he's a guy, you know what? 
more power to him, to be honest with you, because he never gave up on the old dream, even though, you know, like that was that was tough, you know. And recently he's bounced around a couple places in the NFL. He hadn't played since um so in between college and the NFL, there was like a six year gap by the time he was done at the NFL. He played in 2019 with Green Bay, or at least maybe not played, but he was on the roster in Green Bay from 2019 to 2020. Then he was in Detroit in 2021. He actually had three starts in 2021 with the Detroit Lions. He went 0-3, wasn't fantastic. He had three touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, but then he went to Chicago after that season, played uh, on, with Chicago, and now he's with the Jets. And he is the starting quarterback for the New York Jets in this upcoming weekend. It's wild. I mean, it's it's pretty, it's, I mean, don't give up on your dreams, kids. I mean, really, this is one of those, um, don't, don't give up on your, on your dreams, okay? Don't let your dreams be dreams because it's a wild story. Like, uh, he was not good in college. Like, not good at all in college. He was borderline terrible in college. Um, again, one touchdown, 13 interceptions. Like, that's insane. A 77.9 quarterback rating, like in college. Like, there's no reason to believe he was going to become a NFL prospect by any means graduated in 2015. Didn't play again until 2019. I had, I said there was a six years gap, a six year gap. There's a four year gap um, goes to, it makes an NFL team in 2019 and then has been in the NFL ever since. So I mean, more power to Tim Boyle. Who knows what happens? I mean, really who knows what will happen? We saw Kurt Warner. I mean, we, we all know Kurt Warner. He, he was bagging groceries playing in the arena football league, you know, and then he got the call up and led one of the greatest offenses of all time. Who knows? I, I don't know if I want to put that kind of expectations on Tim Boyle, but you know, I mean, maybe they see something or, or I don't know, maybe they're punting on the rest of the season, but I, I have no idea. I have no idea either. I don't know what's going on. Uh, also one of my favorite stats from the weekend as well was the jets have not under Zach Wilson. Uh, when Zach Wilson was their quarterback, they had not scored an offensive touchdown in 40 plus offensive possessions which is insane in the NFL. Like you can sneeze into a touchdown on offense sometimes like a, you know, a, a broken run play or something like that where Brees Hall just gets a, yeah. And again, that not all of it is necessarily on Zach Wilson because there's other facets to um, the, um, the uh, offensive output, obviously. And again, like Brees Hall could have just broken a run and he scores a touchdown and there goes that streak, but 40 plus offensive possessions. They have not scored a touchdown, which is insane in the NFL. That is unbelievable. Um, who knows? Maybe Tim Boyle becomes a hero. He, they play the Dolphins, the Dolphins this upcoming weekend, and you know there have some been some miracles in Miami before. Like we've seen it happen. I don't. It's, a lot of them swing more Miami's way, but maybe we'll see one this weekend. Maybe we'll see one, and it's Tim Boyle doing it. He's cooking up something nice. Maybe that's what happens. Uh, all right. I think, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap up the show. I want to thank you all very much for tuning in. We talked a lot of college football this weekend, and. Uh, or this episode, I want to apologize. Uh, no, I don't want to apologize for that. I mean, no, no, no apologies. No apologies. Maybe you want to lean a little bit more into the NFL, but I mean, I just like college football. I just love college talking college football. There's a lot more uh, interesting stuff to talk about in college football this time of year because we're getting closer to the playoffs. It's conference championship season, you know, the whole spiel. So, you know, you, you guys get how it is. You guys get it. You, you get it. You, come, you keep coming back for more, you know, and that's why you keep coming back. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap up the show, ladies and gentlemen. Please remember to leave a rating if you do not mind on this beautiful podcast. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can get it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, Google Podcasts, whatever it is. Just leave a five-star rating if you do not mind. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, listener. Thank you. I give thanks to you and your loved ones and so on and so forth for tuning into the show. Greatly appreciate it. Maybe when you're cutting the turkey, I'll be like, hey, 
Have you guys heard of a little thing called the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast? No, not really. Don't don't you don't have, don't do that. I mean, that'd be really awkward. Um, but regardless, thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys very much. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, for more sports. So I'll see you next time. This is James Timberlake, and this has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast.